Well, I get to turn around here and look at you. It's good to see your faces starting the new year together. It's good. You know, I could uh, get up this morning, and when I got down here to church at uh, 9 o'clock or so, I could put a few uh, Happy New Year greetings to my family back in America, and New Year's hadn't even started for them yet. They probably think I'm up late. But anyway, it's good to be here. Do you know what your name means? The name that people call you? Amos is up here shaking his head. Good biblical name there. Yes. I don't know that I ever knew what my name meant until we started looking for names for our children. Naming the children was hard. Coming up with a name that wasn't already used in the family. My wife comes from a big family. And then finding a name that we liked, the sound of it, that sounded good with the last name of Tyson. I remember telling Marianne, we're not going to call him Timothy. Timmy Tyson just didn't sound good. Nothing wrong with the name Timothy. But in the process, I found out uh, what my name means. I don't know that I ever heard. Stanley. What does Stanley mean? By the way, our, our first weekend here in Hong Kong, when we had a day off and we wanted to go someplace, we went to Stanley. <laughs> we had to go to that town named after me. Stanley means stony field. It's British. I don't know why anybody would name somebody after a stony field. (laughs) But in looking at the meaning of names, I just want to share a few with you. We just came through Christmas and there are six main characters in the Christmas story. One is Zachariah. Remember the, the priest, Zachariah? His name means the Lord remembers. Or his wife Elizabeth. We have some Elizabeths around today. It means the promise of God. It's not a good name. Or their son John, John the Baptizer. John means God is merciful. Or we get to Joseph, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Joseph means may Jehovah give the increase. Jehovah meaning God, and God give the increase. Or Mary, I'm not sure about Mary. It means bitterness, or a child that is wished for. And then Jesus, Jesus the one who came, Jesus the Son of God, His name means Deliverer. So the names have meanings. And I'm intrigued sometime by the names in the Bible. To be honest with you, when there's a whole chapter of them, sometimes I skip over the list of names, like the beginning of Matthew. Or some places in the Old Testament, the names go on and on. But we have a name today that we're going to look at that is only found twice in the Bible. And we don't know who this person is. 
but the name has profound meaning. The name is found at the beginning of Matthew, or beginning of Luke, and the beginning of Acts. It's the name Theophilus. It's a Greek name or a Roman name. And Luke being the writer of both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he addresses these two books, which are actually volume one and volume two of kind of the same story. He addresses them to this person named Theophilus. I don't know any Theophilus. I know of no one by that name. I did do a search on Facebook and found that there are a few in the world. Um, There's some singer with that name and some other things. Um, So the name is out there. Theophilus is made up of two Greek words. And remember, when the Bible was, when, when the New Testament was written, we're talking a Greek language was primary. It was um, a Roman culture. The Greeks had preceded the Romans. The Romans uh, um, conquered Greece, adapted their language. And so it's a Roman world um, with a, uh, a Greek language for the most part. And so the word Theophilus, if you start thinking about it, there are some words that you have probably heard that have the two parts, Theo and Phyllis. Can't quite pronounce it that way, but Theo and and Phyllis. Theo is where we get the word theology from. You've heard the word theology, theology is all those things that you get in school where you study things. So it's the study of Theo, Theos, meaning God. Theology is the study of God. So the first part of uh, Theophilus' name means God. And the second part, the filio part, it means love or friendship. And philios was one of the four types of love that the Greeks used. There was a storge love, which was a... a a familiar love um, that you have for one another. Philios is the friendship love, and Eros was a romantic love, and Agape was a spiritual love. And so Theophilus' name is made up of these two parts, meaning, and I've found different uh, understandings of what the meaning is. Number one, it could mean that he is loved by God. Someone who is loved by God. Or a second meaning could mean that he is a friend of God. And the last is that he is a lover of God. So think about that a little bit. Loved by God, friend of God, lover of God. A man who we know nothing about other than his name and that Luke is writing two books to him. Now who's Luke? Luke was a doctor. He's known, he's known as a doctor. He was with the Apostle Paul during a, a lot of his travels. And uh, from some of the things that happened to the Apostle Paul, it's good he had a doctor with him. Uh, With some of the beatings and stonings and being left for dead, he had a doctor with him, a traveling companion of Paul. He wrote 
the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Acts. And that's really kind of amazing because Dr. Luke never knew Jesus while Jesus walked the earth. How did he find out what to write? Well, first of all, we know from the beginning in, uh, in the chapter, uh, in, in the beginning of the book of Luke, that he was a careful investigator, and that would go with the job of being a doctor. And so he examined things very carefully. And there were people around that knew Jesus, that had, that had walked with Jesus. Mark is one of them, and Mark's gospel was probably already written, or Luke could, con- Luke could um, confer with Mark. But Luke was this skillful investigator and he investigated what was going on so that he could carefully pass it on. And I'm glad he did because he passed it on and we can have it now. Let's take a moment to read from Luke and also from Acts and we'll see all that we can about Theophilus. In Luke chapter 1, the first four verses, it starts out, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things we have been, that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. With this in mind, since I, Luke, myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And then if you turn over to uh, uh, Acts chapter 1, the first two verses there, he says, Luke says, in my former book, that's the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day He was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit and to the apostles as He had chosen. I didn't realize it until I started uh, getting a count of the number of verses. Do you know that Dr. Luke wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else? Now, the Apostle Paul wrote more books But some of his books are rather short. And the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are rather long. It's actually a hundred verses more that Dr. Luke wrote than Paul. The two of them were companions. There's obviously no competition. But uh, it was just interesting that this man, Dr. Luke, did this careful investigation and passed on to us so that we can know. An eyewitness... He went and interviewed the eyewitnesses so that he could write an account for us. That's one of the amazing things about the gospel. When you talk about people who study history, the closer the document is to the actual event, the closer in time, the more reliable it is. And one of the amazing things from secular historians is that the Bible is one of the most accurate translations from some of the documents that we have. It is absolutely amazing how God kept His Word. That's just kind of an aside, and and we'll get back to uh, Mr. Theophilus here. Because there's some question about who is this Theophilus? 
They didn't have Facebook then, but there are a few people that had that name. It could have been somebody in Alexandria in Egypt. It could have been someone else in Greece. We think that because in, in Luke, he's addressed as most excellent Theophilus, that he's probably some important official in Rome. Do you remember the trial that the Apostle Paul went through? When he went to trial, he addressed the Roman official as most excellent Felix. That was apparently a common greeting that they gave. And so this might have been a Roman, maybe a Roman official, somebody of high position to be called most excellent. Another speculation as to who this Theophilus is, since he's addressed as a high official, as a Roman, perhaps he had money and was one of the people that was financing some of Paul and Luke's trips. And so Luke might have been writing these to give a report with what's been going on uh, so that uh, this Theophilus could know what is happening. Another thing is that this Theophilus could have been legal counsel. It seemed like the Apostle Paul was getting into trouble from time to time. Matter of fact, when he got to Rome, he got to Rome because of a trial. He would have been pronounced innocent had he not appealed to Caesar. And then he went through a trial. And so there is the speculation that this Theophilus may have been the Apostle Paul's lawyer and he needed some background information so that he could defend the Apostle Paul. Now that's a lot of background information when you look at all of, all of Luke and all of uh, the book of Acts. But he could certainly get a clear background as to why the Apostle Paul was teaching the things that he did. Now like I said, we don't know who this Theophilus was. But we do know the meaning of his name. And that gives rise to one other thought as to who Theophilus was. It may not have been any specific person, but Luke might have cleverly used the name to address it to all people who are lovers of God. He might have, Luke obviously knew the, the meaning of the name. And so he picked that name for everyone throughout history who loves God so that you can have an accurate record of God's Word, who Jesus was, and how the gospel spread. So I don't really know. And that's not why I'm here today. What I want us to do is to look at these meanings of the name Theophilus to see if there's something that we can gain for our lives. If Theophilus was an individual man in whatever position he was, his name certainly means lover of God. And I hope that represents us in this room today. Lovers of God. So, Let's look at this. First of all, loved by God. What a message! To be loved by God. This Theophilus or whoever is going to read these books, Luke wants you to know 
that you are loved by God. How would Theophilus, how can we know that we're loved by God? Now there's all kinds of ideas as to what love is. You can walk down certain streets, read certain magazines, read billboards, watch movies, and find out all kinds of definitions of love. But Luke wants us to know who the God is who loves us. You see, Jesus taught the, uh, uh, what would be the Sermon on the Mount, the Luke version of it, is, is found in chapter 6. And Jesus taught that we should not only be friends to people who are friendly to us, who are good to us, but we should love our enemies. And as he tells this, I want to look this up in Luke chapter 6. As he tells this teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about this love that is so different from what's experienced in the culture of that time and is so different than the culture of this time. It's a love that gives and gives and gives. And at the end of this passage, Luke chapter 6, Verse 36, verse 35. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This kind of love describes God the Father. A, a merciful love. A love that's poured out on us. Jesus goes on to tell another parable later on in the book of Luke. And He talks about the lost son. It's a whole chapter of lost things. The lost coin, the lost son. Um, this son that collects the inheritance of his father. He comes to his father before his father is near death. I mean, he's, he's years from death. And he says, I want my inheritance now. The father cashes in, gives the son the money. And if you know the story, the son goes away and he lives it up until the money runs out. And it's not too long until the only job he can find is feeding pigs. You have to realize some of the significance of feeding pigs for this Jewish boy. They weren't to touch pigs. And here he is feeding pigs. Wishing that he could eat the food that he's passing on to, his, on to the pigs. And the son finally comes to his senses after he's squandered everything that's been given to him by his father. And he says... My, the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. I'm going to go and ask if I can be a servant too. And he goes back. And what does the father do? He sees the son coming from a distance. And he opens his arms. And he receives the son back. He throws a party for him. And he welcomes that son back. Now, a lot of times this story is told and we have some feelings about this. I mean, this son 
wasted half of his father's inheritance. He took it from the other son. Should this father really accept him back? And recently I realized that I was too tied into the fact that I was looking at the finite part of it. I was looking at the money and the possessions that were wasted. I think the purpose of the story is to set up a hopeless situation where a finite thing like money and possessions can be used up. But an infinite thing of God's love cannot be exhausted. God's love is there for us. And so do you see this story that's being developed by the name Theophilus? Loved by God. These two books of Luke and Acts are being written and disseminated and passed on to everyone so that they can know God loves you. He loves you with an infinite love that can't run out. What did God do to show that love? You know Romans 5.8? But God showed His love, love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us so much that He sent His Son. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes on Him will not perish. I think whoever includes the 7.2 or 3 billion people that we have on the earth. Whoever believes on Him can receive this love and be loved by God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither height nor depth, principalities or powers. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love. Now, I have given this message, and hopefully, uh, not this message on Theophilus, but this message of love to different people, and hopefully you've had the opportunity to give this message to people too. That God loves you. And inevitably it comes back, if God loves me so much, why can't I just sin as much as I want? Because God will never be turned off by what I do. Well, the Apostle Paul addresses that in in Romans. But I want you to know that God's love is there to draw us to Him. God's love is a just love. It's not a capricious love, a love that, that varies with the wind or the times or the seasons. It's a just love. And God's love does what's best for us, not just what makes me feel good. The justice and the mercy need to be balanced. And another thing is God's love is a holy love. Sin separates us from God. And if we choose to sin, that's going to have us move from God. God doesn't change. We change. 
The love of God is intended to bring us to His level, not bring Him down to our level. And His love is intended to have a friendship and draw us into a friendship with Him. Would a friend want to do something that would hurt the other? No. God's love is intended to bring us to Him as a friend. Where we do what God wants, not selfishly what I do, but what God wants. And that brings us to the next thing. First of all, Theophilus' name means love by God. Second one that we want to look at is friend of God. What does it mean to be a friend of God? Well, I find it interesting that Luke tells us that he wants to write down everything and give a thorough account to Theophilus. Friends know one another. Friends spend time together. If we are a friend of God, we will spend time with God. We will get to know God. Theophilus would have known all the stories that Luke recorded here. He might have heard some directly from Luke. But think about it. Theophilus would have heard the Christmas story. It's in the Gospel of Luke. The Christmas story that has facts and details and cities and towns in them that are verifiable. Luke is giving information so that Theophilus can see that this Christ, this God, is a real person. One that we can be friends with. There's some other people in the Bible that are known as friends of God. You can start looking for that sometimes to see this friendship with God. Abraham is known as a friend of God. It says in the book of James that Abraham believed God. Friends believe in one another. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Friends sacrifice for one another. Greater love has no one than, it, than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. What did Jesus do? Jesus laid down his life for his friends. And so Theophilus is wooed to God, brought to God, put into the presence of God because of God's love, which develops into a friendship with God. Knowing God personally. Knowing Him as a friend. Knowing God as a friend. Brings us to the point of being a lover of God. There's a difference between the idea of friend and lover. Lover is a more intimate relationship. Lover takes us beyond the friendship and into a lifelong relationship, probably best uh, illustrated by marriage. A commitment to one another for a lifetime. 
A commitment to walk together with one another through sickness and health, through richer or poorer. You've heard some of the vows that have been given. Because we love one another. And by the way, I want to remind you that uh, next week, uh, Pastor Mike will be here. He is starting a new series on the book of Hosea. We had a few chuckles in the office because uh, I told him that I would be preaching on Theophilus. And he said, oh, you're going to pick one obscure person from the New Testament and he's going to pick somebody from the Old Testament that doesn't get sermons preached on it very much. And he's actually going to be doing a series on Hosea called Coming Home. Coming back to God. I'm not going to steal his thunder um, and I'm going to be blessed by what he has to share But the idea of taking the relationship beyond friendship to the commitment of love makes us a lover of God. Marriage is one of the illustrations. And it's from knowing God, friends can know one another, know about God, knowing the facts. Can you answer the story? Can you answer the questions from Sunday school? Have you been to Sunday school? As a, as a child, you know the stories. You know, I've taught Sunday school with children and teenagers for a long time. And I used to get tired of having all the pat answers come up. And so by the time I got to, uh, to some of the early teenagers, I told them that I've been teaching Sunday school for a long time. And I know that if you give four answers at the right time, your teacher, if you give one of these four answers at the right time, your teacher will think that you've been listening and that you know everything. Well, since I know those four words, you can't use them without explaining. You know what the four words are? Say them the right time, you'll, you'll impress your teacher. You need to say yes or no. Just, just yes or no. And it's either God or Jesus. Okay, Use those four words and you can... You can know, you can, you can fool somebody into thinking that you know all about the stories. Well, one of the things that I found is we teach the stories to the children, and that is fantastic because children have a mind that can remember some of these things. And as they grow older, they can learn the implications of those stories and start applying them to life. It's from moving from friend of God to lover of God. A friend knows the facts. A lover knows the intimate details. It's building a relationship. It's sometimes we think of religion as being a set of rules. We're supposed to follow certain rules. But those rules are to take us to a relationship. A relationship with God. It's from a casual acquaintance with God. Hi God, I'm going to talk to you today while I'm in church. See you next week. It's from the casual to the committed. A lover of God. It's from thinking about what's in this for me. To how can I honor you? There's a song, I haven't heard it sung here yet, but it's by Albert Benjamin Simpson. 
He says, once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling, now it is His Word. Once His gift I wanted, now the giver own. Once I sought for healing, now Himself alone. It's hard to describe sometimes the difference between moving from a friendship to a love. But think of these things. From friend to lover. Lover of God. Theophilus would have read the words too from Luke chapter 10 where Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. That's what God's calling us to. To be a lover of God. And I want to say that it is no accident that I put them in this order. Loved by God, friend of God, lover of God. In fact, I woke up one morning and I thought, I need to go change my notes. I was glad I hadn't printed them yet. Didn't need to waste any more paper. I could change the order of these. And I changed the order and put them in this order for a very intentional reason. Because God starts the love. We are loved by God before we ever deserved a bit of it. First we're loved by God. Then He calls us to be friends of God. Then He calls us to love God. It starts with God. You know, if you tried to reach up to God, tippy-toes, climb on the chair, you can't get there. The, the gap between me and God is too high. God had to send His Son first to us so that we could see who God is. Understand who He is. God demonstrated His own love for us in this while we were still sinners. What's a sinner? Is that somebody who does the big murders or robs a bank or does this big... Yes, it is. But a sinner is someone who misses the mark of what God's calling us to. God's calling us to live in a holy way that emulates His Son, Jesus Christ. And God demonstrated His love for us in this. While I was still a sinner, separated from God, God sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. The love of our Father. The love that was initiated by God. God initiated the contact with us. Think about how He did that throughout the Bible. Just a few people that quickly come to mind. Do you remember the calling of Abram who's going to be known as Abraham later? God met Abraham when he was still in the Ur of the Chaldees and called him to be a great nation. God initiated that contact. 
What about Moses at the burning bush? God appeared in this burning bush, this bush that was on fire but never burned up. That got his curiosity up. What is going on? There's a bush burning. Moses goes over to it. He's drawn to the bush where God speaks to him and gives him instructions for his people. And the greatest act of all of God initiating the relationship is when He sent His Son. It's not us reaching up. It's not us trying to be good enough for God. It's God coming and loving us and inviting us to be a friend. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of remember some of those awkward years in the primary years in school trying to make a friend. Children are sometimes kind of awkward about that. I had the uh, distinct um, lifestyle. My parents moved around. And so I started in a new school for first grade. I started in a new school for fifth grade. I started in a new school for seventh grade. Different city and having to make friends. It's a mutual thing where we come together. It was so nice when somebody would invite me to be with them. And you guys have been good. I just thought of this. You have been super friends here to us. We've been in Hong Kong for four months and you have just done such a, such a good job of, of taking us in, inviting us to be a part of your lives and in your homes, out to eat with you, in, in your church here with you. And that's what God does. He's that friend that initiates the contact. And He wants to take us in. And so I want us to know Theophilus. Theophilus. I think each of us are that Theophilus that Dr. Luke is writing to. Because each of us are loved by God. Each of us are called to be drawn to that friendship with God. And each of us are called to be a lover of God. And we put that love into action by following Jesus. How did Jesus summarize it? You can get it down to four words. Love God, love people. Be a lover of God. Be a Theophilus. And so I don't know if this was a specific person. Don't know who he is. But I like the name. I'm not sure Marianne would have gone with naming one of our kids this. (laughs) Theo. (laughs) But I hope we each adopt the name. And are reminded of God's love and how we can love Him. So I invite the, uh, I'm going to pray and then I invite the, uh, the worship team to come back forward. Father, we thank You for preserving Your Word and recording it and giving it to us in these books of the Gospel of Luke, Acts of the Apostles. Introducing us to somebody that is relatively obscure. Somebody who we know nothing about. 
But Lord, may we take on His name. May we recognize the love that You have for us. May we return that love by being Your friend and a lover of God. We thank You now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus does softly call us. God calls us to be His friend. Would you join with us as we sing softly and tenderly? Theopolis. Stand with me, please. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me Patient and loving He's waiting and watching